0: You guys glad to be in church? <laughs> All right. Happy Sunday. Good morning to you. You may go, Pastor, how many cups of coffee can you drink? Just watch me. Just watch me. All right. Uh, it's, it's a two coffee day, that's for sure. Um, but uh, open your Bibles to John, chapter number one, and um, we are going to be continuing our study and we're going to get through chapter one this morning. Everyone say hallelujah. Hallelujah. All right. We'll get d- done with chapter one and we'll get into chapter two. And I know some of you are kind of looking at me like, but are we really? We will, we will. Uh, John chapter 1, and look if you would at verse number 47, talking about Nathaniel. And we're going verse by verse in John, and one thing we're going to talk about later this morning in this Sunday School study is that revelation from God is progressive. And what I mean by that is this, is that God gives you more truth when you respond to the truth He's already given you. All right. God doesn't keep just dumping it. First off, uh, I think part of that is God's way of making sure that we are not overwhelmed. All right. Uh, If God told you everything that you would experience and everything that you would do in the Christian life, uh, the moment you got saved, some of you may want to just go beep, beep, beep and kind of back out of it. All right. So what the Lord does, he gives you uh, information, gives you revelation, if you will. And I'll say this as well. God is not an object of observation as much as he is an object of revelation. And what I mean with that is is that you can't... Uh, Romans chapter 1 and, and Psalm chapter 19 tell us that by observing the skies, we know that God is there. However, that by itself does not reveal all the nature of God. It tells us he's there, all right? You don't look at a car and go, man, I'm sure... I would have loved to have seen the explosion at the Ford factory that brought this Mustang into place, Right? You don't do that. You look at nature and you go, there's a designer. However, that does not reveal to you all the... It doesn't tell you that God's angry, that God is happy, that God sings, that God... How do you learn that from the Bible? All right? And so what God does is He gives you so much truth. When you respond to that truth the right way, all right, then He gives you more. Uh, uh, keep your hand here in John chapter 1. Look, look if you would, at verse number uh, 47. Verse 47, Jesus saw Nathanael coming to him... And saith of him, Behold, an Israelite indeed, in whom is no guile. You say, what is guile? Well, guile is, we're going to talk about that. It's kind of like manipulation. It's kind of like uh, uh, deceit, uh, trying to get uh, something out of people a certain way. Uh, but ultimately, you know what you don't want? You don't want to have a testimony that you are someone that, that lives your life with guile. Uh, guile is not a good thing. We're going to talk about that more at length when Jesus says this. About Nathaniel, he's giving him a compliment. He's saying something. Po- By the way, you know it's okay to say positive things about other people. You know that's okay, right? right. Uh, I mean, I, I think sometimes because, you know, in our circle, it's like, you're a sinner and you're a sinner and we're all sinners and we're all going to. Yeah, but, you know, every once in a while saying, hey, I appreciate that about your character. Thank you for being faithful. Thank you for showing up. That's what the Lord's doing here uh, with Nathaniel. Uh, look, if you would, at verse number 48. Nathaniel saith unto him, Whence knowest thou me? How do you know about, how do you know about my character? Jesus answered and said to him, Before that Philip called thee, when thou wast under the fig tree, I saw thee. The Lord's watching every move of your life, whether you realize it or not. Yeah. Nathanael answered and said to him, Rabbi, thou art the Son of God, thou art the King of Israel. And Jesus answered and said to him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree. Believe us In other words, that's all it took. All it took was me telling you I saw you under the fig tree, and, and you're calling me the Messiah? He's like, man, if that's, if that does it for you, wait till you see this, right? So, so, so look what he says in verse 49. Thou shalt see what? Are we on the same verse? All right, end of verse 40. I, I'm sorry, that's why, because I gave you the wrong verse. That's why. Verse 50. Look at the end of verse 50. Thou shalt see what? Greater things. Greater things than these, right? So he's saying, look, if, if you believe that and that's all it took, you're going to see some greater things. And then he describes what those things are. Verse fifty one. He said to him, "Verily, verily, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open, and the angels of God ascending and descending upon the Son of Man." Lord, I pray you'd bless the Bible study this morning. Thank you for bringing everybody here. And Lord, uh, there are some that are joyful this morning; that they're, they're just rejoicing in their salvation, uh, enjoying their fellowship with you. Uh, others are here with deep and heavy burdens. Uh, Lord, um, others are are maybe just overwhelmed with the cares of this life and paying the bills and insurances and and all that kind of stuff. And, Lord, I I just pray for a little bit this morning that you might uh, give us a spirit of calm and give us a spirit of reception of hearing the Word of God. Lord, that you would work, that you would move among your people. Lord, that you would open our eyes to behold wondrous things out of your law. We ask it in Jesus' name for his sake. Amen. Amen. Now, now let me go back to verse number 47. He says, An Israelite indeed in whom is no guile. So let me talk to a little bit about what guile is. Uh, take your Bible to uh, 1 Peter chapter 2. 1 Peter chapter 2. Uh, I'll say it like this. Guile is very closely associated with a manipulative spirit. A manipulative spirit. In other words, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna say something because I want to get a certain reaction. Uh, I'll, I'll say it now. Listen, kids become masters about this with parents. And let's be honest, adults do this with their spouses as well. Don't look at me like you don't know what I'm talking about. All right, you know you know exactly what buttons to push, and you can say something to your spouse, and then they fly off the handle. You're like, "Oh no, I didn't mean that." You say, "What is that?" That's guile. That's guile. Uh, a little bit of manipulation. Look at First Peter chapter number two, uh, and notice what the Lord uh, gives us through the author uh, Peter here. First Peter chapter two, and verse number one. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all what? Now, let me just say this. When you get saved, uh, you don't automatically do this. Because if you automatically did this, he would not waste his breath and say, don't do this. You understand? He would not go out of his way and say, you need to lay this aside in your life. If just because you got saved, it was automatically laid aside. Now, look, with the moment you get saved, all of your past sins, all your sins are under the blood of Jesus Christ. But it does not mean that your character is automatically fixed. And if for years you got things out of people by manipulating them just because you get saved, here's what happens when you get saved. You start using Scripture to manipulate people. <laughs> Come on now, let's be real. So, so you've got to be careful with that within yourself because what, what it's very closely associated with is the works of the flesh in Galatians 5. He says, laying aside, verse 1, all malice and all guile, and hypocrisies, and envies, and all evil speakings, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word, that ye may grow thereby. Look at verse number 21, same chapter, verse 21. For even hereunto were ye called, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that ye should follow his steps. Now what he's talking about is suffering the right way. Now, now sometimes we suffer from what we call, I, I jokingly call, stupid tax. We've all been there. You do something, you know it's not a good idea, you do it anyways. Anybody ever been there before? Anybody? anybody? All right, and then you pay for it later. But, but when you suffer for the Lord, you put your neck out, you, you be a witness for the Lord publicly, you, you open your mouth at work about Him, you, you say to your family, hey, listen, I appreciate the invite, but I, I don't feel comfortable having my kids around that. And then you get the retaliation. There's some suffering from the Lord. And you know what he says? You want to handle it the right way. So look what he says in verse number uh, 22, talking about Jesus Christ when he was suffering at the hands of men, who did know what? Our our temptation when we're suffering is to retaliate, and and the Bible says to be angry and sin not. It isn't that you can never be angry, but when you're angry, make sure it's done for the right motive, and it's it's not about you in the flesh, because eventually it leads to sin. So he says about Jesus who did no sin, neither was what? Guile found in his mouth. You realize he never manipulated anybody? He just says, here's truth. Some liked it. Some hated it. Some responded well. Some didn't. Some rejected it. But you know what I love about the Lord Jesus Christ? You knew exactly what you were getting. You didn't have this mirage. You didn't have this... Uh, you know, we kind of pick on politicians. You know what politicians really are? They're a reflection of society. Right. Or else they wouldn't get voted in. You understand that, Right. right. So, so, so we pick on politicians, but really the issue is this. We live in a very fake and shallow society where if you post a picture of yourself smiling, everyone assumes you're happy. And you could be miserable and dying and rotten on the inside, spiritually and emotionally and mentally, but yet look at me smiling. Therefore, I, you say, what is that? You're, you're living in a society that doesn't know how to deal with reality. So there's so much guile everywhere that you look. And what he says about the Lord is this. Hey, look, your example, there was no guile found in his mouth. He suffered and he didn't respond to manipulation. You know what that tells me? When I'm going through things, I should not respond to manipulation. Uh, look at John chapter number two. John chapter number two. John chapter two. John chapter two. You say, why, did, why didn't the Lord, uh, why, why did the Lord do the things that he did? Why didn't he put, uh, how do I I put this? Why the Lord did not use guile? That's the best way I can can frame the question. The reason the Lord did not use manipulation is because he saw that in fallen nature. He saw that in his fallen creation in us. And he says, there's no way I can save them. There's no way I can rescue them if I do what they do. Does this make sense? Does this also not stand a reason as to why we shouldn't be like the world? Right? So look at John chapter 2, look at verse 23. When you're trying to manipulate somebody, it's because you, you've convinced yourself that it's all about people when it's really all about the Lord. Uh, look, look what it says in verse 23. Now, when he was in Jerusalem at the Passover and the feast day, many believed in his name, that's Jesus, when they saw the miracles which he did. But Jesus did not commit himself unto them because he knew what? He knew all men. He knows our nature and he knows that we, that we manipulate to get certain things. Well, so you know what the Lord says? I'm, I'm, not, gonna, I'm not going to, to, in so many words, stoop down to sinful nature. The way that they get things out of other people is by manipulating them. I could do that, but by doing that, I would join in their fallen nature, and then I could not help them and give them the greatest gift, the gift of eternal life. And so what you have to get is this. If the Lord sees someone, He goes, there's no guile in you, that's a big deal. He's looking at Nathaniel going, you know what? I like this guy. He, you, what you see is what you get. Now, now, let me, let me reinterpret that statement because some people go, well, what you see is what you get with me. I'm just going to let it all come out. No, no, we don't need that either. All right? That, that, that's, that's, that's a different kind of spirit. Either one is not necessarily the Holy Spirit. Uh, Jesus Christ was gentle. He was kind. He was forgiving. He was gracious. Yes, he was direct with the Pharisees. Meet a bold spirit with a bold spirit. But look at how he dealt with sinners. You know what I think we got the problem? We got the problem. We got backwards. We deal with self-righteous people real gently, and then we deal with sinners really harshly. The Lord was the other way around. <laughs> he was very gentle with those that were already broken. He was very direct and very harsh with those that were self-righteous, which we'll talk about self-righteousness in a little bit. But I want you to understand, when the Lord calls out Nathaniel's character, that's a, that's a real big deal. You know what you want the Lord to do in your life? You want him to look at you and go, there's no guile in you. I like the fact that you're not trying to manipulate me and you're not trying to manipulate others. Uh, you know, a great example of someone that manipulates people is Jacob in the Bible. Yeah. Jacob finds a way to get what he wants. Yeah. Now, anybody remember uh, when you were, I'm going to look at some of the older folks in the crowd here, All right, You know, grayish hair, no hair, you know, tired from baby staying up at night, who knows, you know? Uh, so, so remember when you were younger, remember when you pushed for something and your mom said no? or your dad said no, but you pushed, you pushed for it, and 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 eventually you got it, and then you're like, oh, this stinks, <laughs> because I finally got what I wanted, but it doesn't feel as good as I thought it would. Anybody ever remember that when you were younger? All right, you say, what is that? Well, well, the Lord's saying, hey, you don't want that. You don't want to have guile associated with your life. In other words. The Lord didn't do things behind closed doors. He didn't do things in, you know, uh, 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 there's this hidden agenda. You know, don't look behind the curtain. Don't don't pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. That wasn't the Lord. Everything he did was open. Uh, Look at John chapter 18. That's your your life's testimony should be that way. You know what that means? There should be no problem with anyone looking at your search history on your phone or computer. There should be no problem with someone really understanding who it is that you are. That door should be open. You understand the Bible says if you're a Christian, you're an open letter known and read, an open epistle known and read of all men. Whether you like it or not, people are trying to read the story of your life and see if it matches the testimony of Jesus Christ. And you go, oh, they're not watching. That's what Nathaniel thought. The Lord was watching him the whole time. And people are watching you too. Look at John chapter 18. Look at verse number. Some of you are like, people are watching me. Come on, man. You post stuff all day on Facebook. What do you mean people aren't watching you? course they're watching you. Look at John chapter 18. Look if you would at verse number 19. The high priest then asked Jesus of his disciples and of his doctrine. Jesus answered him, I spake, what's the next word? Openly. "Openly. I ever taught in the synagogue and in the temple, whither the Jews always resort, and in secret have I said nothing. You know what that shows you? That's the right kind of testimony right there. That's your example. And he said, you know what? Your testimony should be No hidden agenda, no hidden plan, no man behind the curtain. It should be an open testimony to the entire world. There should be no skeletons in the closet. You should be walking in fellowship with Jesus Christ, and your life should be open. And no guile and no manipulation. You say, what is that? That's a great example of character. Go back to John chapter 1. That's what we're looking at. Listen, when you get saved, you don't automatically have your character uh, uh, changed for you. And there are some things, listen to me, that some of us will struggle with more than others. Uh, some people may go, I have no desire to look at things I shouldn't look at online. Yeah, but you have a, a problem with thinking you're better than other people. You got to work on that. You understand? And, and the other person that says, I would never do that. I don't think I'm better than anybody else. But you talk about people behind there. The, everyone's got something. You understand what I'm trying to get at? And so when you get saved, God doesn't just take that away from you. He goes, look, Once you get, say, the Holy Spirit comes inside of you, and if you're listening and you're not manipulative with God, he'll put the truth in front of you and go, there's the mirror, look in the mirror. I don't want to look in the mirror. I don't like what I see, but I want you to look because you can't fix what you're not looking at. So then when you look in the mirror, you go, okay, that's my problem. Lord, would you help me with that? Would you help me with that? Because if you don't do that, you know what's going to happen? You'll form guile in your heart. And guile in the heart eventually comes out of the mouth. Look at John chapter 1. Great compliment that he gives to Nathanael uh, in verse 47. And I also want you to notice he calls him an Israelite. He's, a, he's a, of the nation of Israel. And look at verse 48. There's a strong connection uh, between Nathanael and the nation of Israel. Uh, number one, he calls him an Israelite. Number two, he's under a certain kind of tree. Look at the end of verse 48. He was under what kind of tree? A fig tree. All right now. Now let me just say this much: uh, we know that Nathaniel sticks it out, character-wise, at the end of the Gospel of John. I won't go there right now, but the reference is up there in John twenty-one. Uh, Nathaniel is one of the disciples that's there after the resurrection. All right. So even though he's not always name by name in every gospel account and every story, he's there and he's following the Lord. All right. But 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 notice he, the Lord uh, gives you something, and I, I want to uh, uh, kind of. There's a word that some of you probably know and some of you don't know. The word is typology. There are things in the Bible that are a picture of certain other things. Now, you don't build doctrine on typology. You build typology on doctrine. It's the, it, sometimes you'll get it the other way around. You can make a mess of that. Uh, but, but for example, uh, when you look at the fact that the Lord clothes Adam and Eve in the garden with lambskins... After they tried uh, sewing their own clothes with what kind of leaves? Anybody remember? Fig leaves. Leaves from a fig tree. You know what they were trying to do? They were trying to cover their sin. It was an example of their own self-righteousness. All right? And so what does the Lord do? He goes, nope, that's not good enough. I'm going to have to shed blood to cover you. So you know what he does? He takes the coat of a lamb. Well, let me, you know what that meant for that lamb? That innocent lamb died to cover Adam and Eve. Does this ring in a bell from earlier in John chapter 1, Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world? Right? And so that's a type of something. It's a picture of something. Uh, uh, so, so go back to Genesis 3. Let me show it to you real quick. Genesis chapter 3. Uh, and this fig tree that uh, Nathaniel is sitting under is a picture, as we're going to see, of the nation of Israel as well. Uh, Genesis chapter 3, it's a picture of self-righteousness, no doubt. Uh, and, and to, to be transparent, when you get to Romans chapter 10 and Romans 11, when Paul addresses his own people, the nation of Israel, do you know what he says? He says, look, there's a zeal, but not according to knowledge. And the main thing that he says about his own people, I'm not putting words into Paul's mouth. We we can look at it later in Romans 10 is that there was, they were going about to establish their own righteousness. And you know what keeps a person out of hell? It's not that you have, you know, you've been drinking or you've been running around or you've been looking at pornography. You don't know put someone in hell. You reject the righteousness of God through Jesus Christ. And you try to clothe yourself with your own. I go to church. I give money. I got baptized. I, I, I. And God says, no, thanks. You're a sinner. I won't take your penalty, your punishment for sin. You, you try to pay for it for yourself. Your sacrifice for sin is tainted with your own nature. I don't want it. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you myself, and I'm going to die in your place, and the blood of the Lamb of God will be shed for your sins. The, the reason someone goes to hell is not all the bad stuff they've done. It's because in, in light of all the bad stuff they've done, they don't have the right payment for their sin. They are living in their own self-righteousness. When Adam and Eve, after they messed up, and, and of course, we know the story, you know, uh, Adam... Uh, is there with his wife and his wife is deceived by the devil and she gives him the fruit and he partakes and Adam knew what he was doing. The Bible says it very clearly. She was deceived in the transgression according to Paul in first Timothy, but Adam knew exactly what he was doing and he did it anyways. And so after that sin uh, takes place, uh, look if you would at verse number uh, eight, I'm sorry, verse seven, the eyes of them both were open. They knew that they were naked and they sewed what? (laughs) Yep. And made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden of the cool of the day. You know when you're not right with God, whether you're saved or lost, you try to run from the Lord. you know that? And as soon as church comes around, man, you kind of get nervous in the service. As soon as it's, you know, uh, uh, a time to open up your Bible or someone talks about church, if you haven't been going for a long time, it kind of makes you feel a little uncomfortable. You say, what is that? It's an example of the fact that, listen, God is always, the law of first mention is that God was the one looking for man, not the other way around. God's looking for you. He cares about you. He goes looking for Adam. And by the way, God wasn't like, "Oh my goodness, this garden is so big. Where did Adam go?" He knew exactly where Adam was. He asked the question so that Adam can realize, "Hey, buddy, you're running from me." Just yesterday, we were talking like friends. What happened? So it says here, they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord amongst the trees of the garden. You see, what are they doing? First example of camouflage in the Bible. They sewed fig leaves together and they go running in the trees like he won't see us here. <laughs> you know, uh, let me just say this spiritual and emotional and mental camouflage doesn't work with the Lord. He'll see you. Right. Right. And that's actually a good thing. So they sowed these fig leaves together and forever throughout the rest of the Bible, the law first mentioned stands to reason that throughout the rest of the Bible, that fig tree is going to be a picture of self-righteousness. So let me just say it like this. If you're lost and you're trying to, you know, sew the fig leaves together, I'm a good person, I go to church, I get baptized, I do this, I do that, it won't work. If you're saved and you're not in fellowship with God and you're trying to cover yourself and hide yourself, it won't work. The best thing to do is just come out in the open and go, God, it's, here's me, this is what I did, I want to get out. You know what the, the rule is at my house and do whatever you want at your house? Here's how it works at our house, all right? Uh, there are less applications of... Uh, knowledge to the seed of knowledge. Can you guys read between the lines there? Uh, There are less applications of of that uh, 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 knowledge to the seed of knowledge when you come out and you openly confess what you did. When you try to cover it, this week, um, um, the, the garage door quit working miraculously, Brother James. It was like uh, it was working yesterday, and then all of a sudden it wasn't working, and <gasps> no one knew what had happened. Has that ever happened at your place? All right. And, and, so, and so I go to the, go to the, the, uh, the suspects, and I say, uh, hey, you were in the garage yesterday. Anything interesting happened?" Yeah, we cleaned it. Look at this. I'm like, well, that's good. I like that you pointed that out, but I'm talking about the garage door not opening. Oh, I don't know. I have no idea. Is the garage door not working? (laughs) Nope, not working. After we shook everything out, what we realized was, oh, that's right. I was hanging on that cord that holds the chain on the thing that pulls the garage door open. But isn't it interesting? As soon as I asked about what had happened, look at all the good stuff that I'm doing. Doesn't that remind you of you? When the Lord comes knocking, going, hey, we need to talk. Quit running from me. Right. And so the Lord goes and finds them. He says, what are they doing? Trying to cover themselves in self-righteousness. Look at Matthew chapter number 21. Learning about the fig tree, and there is a connection between the fig tree, self-righteousness, all right, Israel. And by the way, uh, uh, self-righteousness is not a, an inherently Israel, uh, uh, Israelite trait. That's human nature, all right? But when Paul addresses his own nation in Romans 10, that, matter of fact, go to Romans 10 real quick. Sorry, guys. Go to Romans 10 so you see what I'm talking about. Romans chapter 10. Look at verse number 1. Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel. You see who that's for? For Israel. Paul's talking about Israel as a nation. Those that say, oh, no, 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 that's spiritual Israel. That's the church. That makes absolutely no sense. If you're saved, you already have the righteousness of God. All right. So look at verse one, brethren. My heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. He's praying for his own people, the Jewish people, to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. For I bear them record that they have a zeal of God, but not according to knowledge. For they being ignorant of God's righteousness, who is God's righteousness, Jesus Christ. They being ignorant of God's righteousness and going about to establish their own what righteousness have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. For Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that what? That believeth. All right. Your your righteousness today, you gain the righteousness. God gives you his righteousness by your faith in what Christ did for you on the cross. That's it. All right. Now, what I want you to see is this. Paul, when he's talking about his own people, goes, look, here's the issue. The issue is righteousness. And that's always the issue. When you point out sin in someone's life and they go, you're right, I'm sorry. Nathan goes to David, thou art the man, and he goes, I have sinned. Yeah. Yeah. Samuel goes to Saul, and you messed up. I have not. I have obeyed the voice of the Lord. And he dies a miserable death. What's the difference between the two guys? One responds the right way, and the other one responds in self-righteousness. So so what the Lord does, he tells us, Nathaniel, I like you, there's no guile in you. I saw you. You're an Israelite connecting Israel. And I saw you under the fig tree connecting Israel with that fig tree. And he's going he's to kind of paint a picture for you. Look at Matthew chapter 21. Matthew 21. You know what the Lord does? He curses a fig tree. Look at Matthew 21. Earlier in Matthew, uh, they're warned by John the Baptist that they were to bear fruit under repentance. And that fruit would be found in whether or not they received their Messiah. Uh, and the message of the kingdom that is preached there in the Gospels. The Gospel, of the kingdom. look at Matthew 21, and look, if you would, at verse 17. He left them and went out of the city into Bethany, and he lodged there. Now in the morning, as he returned to the city, he hungered, and when he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing thereon but leaves only. Stop. The first time fig leaves show up in the Bible, what are they a picture of? Self-righteousness. All right, so he goes to the tree, no fruit, just leaves. Now let me say this, if it wasn't time for the tree to produce, in other words, if it was out of season, that'd be one thing. But it was clearly the time for that fruit to produce, and there was no fruit. So so look at the response from the Lord in verse uh, number 19. When he saw a fig tree in the way, he came to it and found nothing wrong but leaves only, and said to it, let no fruit grow on thee henceforth forever, And presently, the fig tree withered away. And when the disciples saw it, they marveled, saying, How soon is the fig tree withered away? Now, what you're seeing here is this. It's a picture. Go to Matthew 24. It's a picture of the fact the Lord came to His own people first. And He goes, Look, I want you to bear fruit, and you bear fruit under repentance by accepting the Messiah. They don't do that. And now you say, What's going on now with them? Romans chapter 11. Blindness in part has happened to Israel. Now, I want to make a real clear distinction because some people... Uh, Whenever I talk about this, they they confuse these two things, all right? Uh, The way that God deals with nations is not the way that God deals with individuals, okay? They are different. In other words, God can make a proclamation about a nation. Uh, Here's a good example. Uh, Joshua goes into Jericho, and they wipe out Jericho, and the walls fall down. Is that right? All right, who's the exception to that? Who doesn't get wiped out? Rahab. Rahab. All right, so... There, there's an exception to that because of Rahab's actions based on the truth that was presented to Rahab. Is this making any sense? The, the Israelites come in and go, hey, we're going to wipe everything out. She goes, I know the fear and dread of is upon all those that are in the land. And so you know what? Uh, you tell me what to do and I'll follow your instructions. And they go, okay, put a scarlet w- a thread in the window, which is why, by the way, uh, they used to call where ladies of the night were at, they would call that the red light district. Where'd that come from? A scarlet thread in the window. You got the candle glowing at night, and that scarlet thread goes out. It's a red light. And so, does it make any sense? You guys know what I'm talking about? Okay, all right. Um, you guys are really quiet. It's kind of e- earring me out this morning. Um, but kind of freaking me out. Is it, is it like something behind me? Is there something to get me? Uh, but uh, uh, anyways, uh, so, so Rahab is an exception. Everyone else gets wiped out except for Rahab. Well, Why? He says, we're going to wipe everything out. Okay, but why doesn't she get wiped out? Well, she responded to the truth the right way. All right. So so God deals with individuals differently than He does nations. The, the proclamation about the nation of Israel right now is Romans 11. Now, anyone that only hears half of what I'm saying is going to hear God's done with Israel. I didn't say that. As a matter of fact, Romans 11 is very clear. God is absolutely not done with Israel. That's why all the world's uh, current events are going to boil down right back to that part of the world, all right? And it's all going to go back to that part, of the, back to the, the, the fertile crescent where it all started, uh, over there in what uh, was called Babylon, modern-day Iraq, that area, Mesopotamia, that part of the world, all right? So, so God's not done with them, but at the beginning of this, of this narrative in Romans 11, He said, blindness in part. So what that means is this, for the most part, the nation is blinded to the truth of their own Messiah, but if someone from their nation is willing to accept the Lord as their Savior, they can be saved just like anybody else. Yeah. All right, look look at Romans chapter number three to prove what I'm saying. Romans chapter three. We'll come back to Matthew twenty four. I know where we're at. Uh, Romans three, Romans chapter three. And look if you would at verse. Uh, let's see here, the verse. Uh, yeah, verse number twenty two. Uh, verse twenty one. Sorry. But now, the righteousness of God, what's the next three words? Without the law. Without the law. You can't be saved today by the deeds of the law. Uh, I don't kill, I don't steal, I don't murder, I don't lie, I don't, you know, I, I don't take the Lord's name in vain. That's great, but you can't be saved. Your righteousness will never exceed the righteousness of a sinless man. Fair? All right. So that's the standard. Are you sinless? No. Okay, then you fall short. So, so notice what he says here. Uh, Being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, verse 22, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no what? What does he mean by difference? Look at verse number 9. Look at the end of the verse. He's talking about Jews and Gentiles. The standard today, whether you're Israel or the rest of the world, is no different. It's Jesus Christ. All right? Now, now, in light of that, what you have to understand is Israel is, is typified, it's symbolized by the, the, the fig tree because there's no fruit there, and they were the ones that had the Messiah come to them, and yet the fruit isn't there. But they got the leaves. They got the, the showing of righteousness, but no fruit. All right, uh, Look, if you would, at Matthew 24. Matthew 24, verse number 32. You say, what's the context of Matthew 24? The great tribulation and the second coming. If you read the entire chapter, that's what you'll get. Clearly do not have time to read the whole chapter, so we're not going to do that. But look at verse number uh, 32. Now learn a parable of the what? Fig tree, tree, all right? So your your antenna should go up, all right? When his branch is yet tender and putteth forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So likewise ye, when you shall see all these things. What are the these things that he's talking about? If you go back to verse 30, you go back to verse uh, 29, tribulation. Uh, You go back to verse 22, talking about the elect of Israel. You go back to verse 24, the false Christ and the false prophets. Uh, You go back to verse uh, uh, number uh, 19 and 20 about those that the warning that's given to those that are living in Israel. All right, uh, look at verse 15, the image of the Antichrist that stands in the temple. This is clearly about the Great Tribulation and Israel. All right, so that's the context. When you see all these things come to pass, look what he says in verse uh, number uh, 32. I'm sorry, verse 33. Know that it is near. What's it? The coming. The coming that's mentioned in verse 30. When you see all these things come to pass, know that it is near and 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 notice what he says in verse 34 Verily, i say any of this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled and when he says this generation he's not talking about the one that he's in but he's talking about the one that would live through that they would not in other words none of the 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 coming would not happen his second coming would not happen till all these things came to pass what was the tree that was mentioned in relation to israel leaves being mentioned and all that what tree is it big tree all right, so we're learning something about the fig tree and, and what it stands for in the Bible. Look at Hosea, go Old Testament, Hosea chapter number 9. Uh, when you talk about Israel's uh, judgment, uh, Israel's judgment. Now, you got to understand, Israel will be restored after their judgment. So, again, uh, you're looking at stuff in the Old Testament that uh, still hasn't happened yet. All right, Hosea chapter number 9. And look, if you would, at verse number 10. I found Israel like grapes in the wilderness. I saw your fathers as the first ripe in the what? At her first time. So you're going to find throughout the Bible that Israel is connected with that picture. Now, some of the stuff you're reading about in Matthew 24 and in Hosea chapter 9, I want to be very, very clear with you. For those who are sitting in the way back, I'll try to get this up here for you so you can read it. When he's talking about these things, understand, here's the cross, here's the church, and the judgment that he's talking about in Hosea 9 and in uh, uh, Jeremiah 8 and Joel chapter 1, it's during this time right here. The church is taken out. This is called the Great Tribulation. And if you have any question about who it's concerning, in Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 7, it's called the time of Jacob's trouble. That's Israel. Now, what you have going on right now is what we call the church age or the age of grace. People call it the age of grace. And here's what you'll notice about this age. God is primarily dealing with people as individuals. That's why it doesn't matter if you're black, white, red, yellow, uh, Jew, Gentile. It's an individual thing about receiving an individual mes- message about your individual sins being forgiven by an individual Savior. Making sense? All right. But what you have for a lot of the Bible in the Old Testament is God deals with the Jews and then there's everybody else? You read your Bible, you know what I'm talking about. That, that, that is called the, the, the Gentile world, everybody else. Alright? When you get over here in the Great Tribulation, you know what it goes back to? Kind of like that. That's why you read so much about Israel and the Great Tribulation, Revelation 12, Matthew 24, and all that. Alright, so God primarily is dealing with individuals right now. You receive Jesus Christ today, whether you're a Jew or a Gentile, you're saved. Amen. All right, but, but when you get into here, God starts t- turning his attention back to his land and to his people. And when he does that, they're going to go through some judgment because God had pronounced, if you don't accept my truth and my way, this would be your end. So what you're reading about in Matthew 24, in Hosea, for sake of time, we won't read Jeremiah chapter number 8 and, and Joel chapter 1, but if you want to write those references down, you're welcome to all right, is judgment that's pronounced on the fig tree no differently than what Jesus does in Matthew chapter 21. So when John, this is what I'm trying to get across right now. When you're reading your Bible and you see stuff like this, like red flags and sirens should be going off. When you see that, that God talks about Nathaniel as an Israelite indeed, and he's sitting under a fig tree. Let me ask you a question. Why doesn't God just say he was under a tree? Right. Right. Why does he specify I think there's something to that, all right? Go back to John chapter number 1. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. John chapter 1. Look, if you would, at verse number 50. After Nathanael's proclamation of who Jesus is, thou art the king of Israel, right? He calls him the king of Israel. He calls him... Uh, the uh, the uh, Son of God. Uh, that is his pro- uh, proclamation that Jesus is the Messiah. Uh, and that's a pretty deep statement. Notice what happens in verse 50. Now Jesus answered and said unto him, Because I said unto thee, I saw thee under the fig tree. Believest thou? Thou shalt see greater things than these. Now, I, I want to say this and want to get this across God is a God of progressive revelation. In other words, God will give you truth if you respond to the truth that you've already been given. Uh, keep your hand here and go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians, you know the Bible is the most powerful book in the universe? And the Bible is not less powerful if you don't believe it. It's less powerful for you if you don't believe it. But it doesn't change the nature of the Bible. Uh, you know, just because you say, well, I think there's errors in it, whatever else, you know. And by the way, I have learned oftentimes that's not an intellectual argument as much as a spiritual one. Uh, someone doesn't want the Word of God exposing who they are. So if they can delegitimize the Bible. Then they can continue doing what they're doing without any kind of judgment on their sins. Does that make sense? Uh, lo- look at 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 and look, if you would, at verse number 13. For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you receive the word of God, which he heard of us. Let me me point something out to you guys. God has and will always use human instruments to channel his word to other people. When someone says, well, you just learned that from a man. You learn how to walk from people, you learn how to talk from people, you learn how to brush your teeth from people, you learn things at school. Why is it when it comes to spiritual truth, all of a sudden, nope, you just got to be sitting there and then like some light shines down from heaven and then you just know. No, you know the Bible says in Romans 10, how shall they hear without a preacher? All right, so there's nothing wrong with learning from someone as long as that person is teaching you the truth from the word of God. Uh, Paul says it this way, follow me, be followers of me as I also am of Christ. The moment that someone that's leading you spiritually goes off of that path, you don't follow them. It's that simple. But it doesn't mean that you don't follow others. So I think it's interesting that, that Paul is pointing out, look, we brought you, the human instruments brought you the word of God. When someone says the Bible was written by man, well, in the physical sense, yes. But it was inspired by the spirit of God. And so, and it's also preached by other people. You know what I wish? Sometimes I wish God would have just spray painted in the sky every morning. You're going to hell unless you get saved. And you know, Romans chapter 10, verse 13. But, but you know what I know about people? They would wake up and go, ah, I've seen that before. I'm not dead yet. Right? So, so you know what God does? He puts living, breathing instruments in the path of other breathing, living instruments so that they can know what truth is. All right, he says, which he heard of us. Now look what he says here in verse 13. You received it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which what? Effectually worketh also in you that do what? That believe. If you want the word of God to work in your life, you've got to start with this. It is not just like every other book. This is God's word, and if God said it, it's right. And Lord, I don't even always have to like it, but by your grace, would you help me to live it out? Let's be honest. There's things that we don't all like in the Word of God. Absolutely. I mean, there's stuff in there about loving your neighbor. I don't always want to love my neighbor. Listen, if my neighbor thinks just like me and talks just like me and, and, and votes for who I vote for, yeah, I'll love him. That's where we're at today, right? I don't want to love, but, but, but the Word of God says I'm supposed to do it, so that, and then I have to realign myself with the Bible. Uh, well, I just don't believe that when it comes to raising kids that, you know, I just think any kind of corporal punishment is, is abuse. Okay, that's fine. But what does the Bible say? Right. Yep. Amen. Right. Amen. Okay, I didn't say capital. I said corporal. You understand that, right? <laughs> I didn't say stone your children. <laughs> uh, I, I, but, but there is something in the Bible about, about correcting them. And you know what people say today? Well, I think we're smarter than that today. We've, evo- oh, we've evolved, have we? Have you been to the grocery store lately? Oh I'm not trying to be funny. Do you remember, like, like I, some of you that are more advanced in age, do you, do you recall in the 50s and 60s and 70s, kids acting in public like they do today? Absolutely not. And, and do you know why that is? The, the reason for that is this. The reason is that when you put aside the word of God and you say, nope, we've got a better way of doing it now. We've got a different way of doing it. We've evolved past that. Once you do that, then you know what ends up happening? Then you become God. And you know that's a dangerous place to be. That's exactly where the whole mess started in Genesis chapter 3. That when you eat of this fruit, your eyes will be open, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. Let me tell you right now, you want God to be God. You don't want to try to be God. That does not work very well, all right? So again, when it comes to the Lord revealing things to us, it's progressive in nature. He's not going to give you everything at one time. Look, if you would, at Acts chapter 9. We're going to look at this maybe in the morning message as well. Go to Acts chapter number 9. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Running out of time in Sunday school. Acts chapter 9. Don't laugh. Don't laugh. We're going to finish. We're, we're at the end of the chapter, all right? Yeah. Acts chapter 9. Acts chapter 9. Uh, now, this is Paul. Before he's really known as Paul, he's, he's Saul on his way to Damascus. And I, I just, to me, I don't know about you, never just read your Bible in like this boring manner of just reading it. Like think about being in the story. Yeah. Imagine you're, you are Saul. You're going to round up Christians and take him to jail because they're not adhering to the faith as you see it. And then this light shines from heaven. It literally knocks you down on your can. And then you start hearing God talk to you. What are the things going through your mind? Well, well here's what's interesting to me look at Acts chapter 9 and uh, verse uh, number uh, 6. And he trembling and astonished said, Lord, what wilt thou have me to do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city. And it shall be told thee what thou must do. Now, I don't know about you guys. If I'm Saul, I'm like, can you just tell me now? Right. I mean, this is kind of cool. You're talking to me. You're God. Can you just, can we cut out the middleman, right? So, you know what he does? The Lord sends him to this guy, Ananias. And then Ananias tells Saul what God told Ananias to tell Saul Lord, could we just cut it out? Why did you have me do that? I think there's some value in this. And here's the value God wants to see if you're willing to do what he says. And if you're, even if it doesn't make sense, and if you're willing to do what he says when it doesn't make sense, then he'll give you some truth. And when you do it again, he'll give you more, and he'll give you more. People come all the time and go, I don't know the will of God for my life. I'm not sure about this. Okay, let's stop right now. Are you reading your Bible, and are you in fellowship with the Lord? Yes. Well, I haven't read my Bible in a month. Okay, why don't we start with that? Yes. Are, 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 you, are you in fellowship? Are you talking to him daily? Well, not exactly. I mean, I pray over my food when no one's watching at work. Does that count? Right? no we're talking about fellowship with the lord so in other words god is going to give you as much truth as you are willing to receive in that moment when you respond to that truth you know what he'll do he'll give you more i, I did not listen i'll tell you this god did not come and go you're going to put a, a church on the side of a bank and uh, you're going to have this person come and then this person come and you know what god said go well where, how are we going to do this uh, uh go all right, well, Lord, the only place I have right now is my house. Sounds good to me. And then, you know, the, little by little, you say, what is that? That's progressive revelation. As you learn the word of God, all right, just be... Let me give you this, this, this thought in closing. Be willing to do what God's already shown you to do. That which is kind of gray and fuzzy, all right, will become more black and white if you accept what is black and white in front of you right now. All right, so, so the Lord tells him you'll see greater things than these you say well what what illustration does he give him go back to john chapter 1 and we'll be done john chapter 1 i might run some more references next week but we're officially done with chapter 1 and that's (laughs) all i'm going to say about that all right john chapter 1 look if you would at verse 51 the greater things that he would uh, see is described in verse 51 the heavens opened and the angels ascending and descending on the son of man well let me ask you something Did, did nathaniel ever see that not that we can see in Scripture, so is God mistaken? Or is the Lord talking about a future event that Nathaniel would eventually see? And I think that's the ticket. We'll look at that next week, but uh, in Matthew 25, don't turn there because we're done, but in Matthew 25, uh, there's reference. Every time he talks about the second coming, almost every time, you'll, hear, you'll see a reference to the angels that come with him, and so that's what the Lord's talking about there. But practically, for your life, Uh, the lord is going to give you more and more truth if you're willing to accept it little by little let's go ahead and stop there let's stand we'll have a word of prayer and be dismissed and we'll take about a 10 minute break brother eric we'll start singing at five after if that works all right and we'll let the kids come up from sunday school and get into our morning service by the way get some coffee get some fellowship bathroom there bathroom downstairs and uh, stretch a little bit and uh, we'll meet back here at five after let's go lord in prayer brother chad Good to see you. There's our our resident farmer out in the thriving metropolis of Byers, Colorado. All right, brother, if you, you close this out in a word of prayer.